All right, I did my best to get folks interested in this, what was going on here tonight. So hopefully some more people tuned in because we have the same folks that are here in the building. I made reference to this that we were going to get into it last time and it just seems like now is better than a week or two because we do get into the rest of God in Hebrews chapter 4. So we're going to kind of set the stage for it here with this one. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, I was angry and made a promise they will never enter into my rest. Now, there's a lot of uh, unknown things about the rest of God. So we put this up there on Facebook today. Is the rest of God heaven? Is the rest of God taking a nap? Is the rest of God a day off? What is the rest of God? And I think if we really polled Christians, what is the rest of God? We would get all kinds of answers or a lot of dumb looks. And if we don't know what the rest of God is, how can we enter into it? So a lot of problems that we have as Christians is because we don't know how to enter into His rest. We're not doing things from His rest. We're doing things from another place. But here in this one in particular, we want to find some things out about His rest. His rest. I was angry and made a promise. They will never enter into my rest. Now, how many know God meant that? That meant for the rest of their days, and they're going to be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, they would not be able to enter into the rest of God. Isn't that pretty incredible? So right there, you know that the rest of God is not a day off. It's not sleep. And it's not heaven. Because if it was heaven, they couldn't have got there anyway. Until they died. So here we have this. If God says they shall not enter into it, it is something that can be blocked. The rest of God is something that can be blocked. It is not something waiting for us in heaven. You can enter into the rest of God down here on earth. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. Otherwise, there's no reason for Him to block it. And here's the last one. It is something here on the earth. It is something here on the earth. So if it is here on the earth, then we need to participate in it. How many know rest is good? <laughs> we want to make sure that we... Now, we're not talking about sleep. We're talking about rest. We want to be able to rest. Now, here's some other scriptures on the rest of God. In Micah chapter 2, verse 10... It says this, Arise ye and depart. I got this from the King James, obviously. Arise ye and depart, for, there is, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. For it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. So there's a rest that you can come upon that's not yours. It became polluted or corrupted. Psalm 116, verse 7, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Return, well, that would mean that we can leave it. And if you do leave it, it means that you can return to it. Right? So it would seem that the rest of God would be a place that you can return to or leave. Exodus 33, verse 14, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee 
rest. I'm not sure why I had King James highlighted in this one, but obviously when I copied them all over, I didn't see what the translation was. My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Now this is speaking to Moses about his presence going with him, leading him to the promised land. Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all you who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. So this tells us that rest is something that we can receive. God is prepared to give it. And if God gives something, I must receive it. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. I like this one. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the, where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. So apparently rest can be found. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. I, I copy this in a new, King, or a new century version. This is what the Lord says. Stand where the roads cross and look. Ask where the old way is, where the good way is, and walk on it. If you do, you will find rest for yourselves. But they have said, we will not walk on the good way. So he says, there's a way that you can go, and if you go that good way, you will find rest. But if you don't, you won't find it. And they said, these people said, we're not, we're not going to walk that way. Do you know that some people purposely do not walk in the way of rest? What happens to your physical body if you don't rest? Things happen to it. It doesn't, it doesn't function very well. And less and less and less functionality. So if you don't find the rest of God, which obviously would be for your soul and your spirit, what happens to your soul and your spirit? It begins to break down. We get a problem. Exodus thirty-three fourteen. Did I read that already? I must have gone backwards. I thought I had already read that one. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested. The word there for, se- for rested is the word Shabbat. From all his work which God had created and made. Exodus 28 and 10 is the place where we get the commandment for resting on the seventh day. But that's not God's rest. That's a day. Sometimes we get so hung up on the day, we think, well, if you don't take you don't work six days and have a day off, then you are not walking in the rest of God and therefore you're going to have all kinds of things that, that go on. And if that was the case, as far as we know, if Jesus had a day off or took a day off and people came for ministry, what did he do? And bring them here. Bring them here. Did Jesus ever turn them down? We had the one time when he, he saw his disciples were wearing out and they went away to a solitary place and the people saw them and they all followed him up there. And what did Jesus say? Come on, guys, let's minister to them. They, they, need, they need some stuff. He healed them, taught them, and then afterwards they fed them. <laughs> they did a lot of work on, on that time. The, the Pharisees kept getting upset with Jesus because he was healing on the Sabbath. And they would quote that, you know, six days come 
but not on the seventh. And Jesus says, well, why not? What's wrong with them being loosed on the seventh day? Why should, why should we not work in those kind of things? So I think our understanding of, of the Sabbath is not quite in line with Jesus. But we have a lot of people who are very religious about the Sabbath who don't walk in the rest of God. In Revelations 14, 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven say to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit of God, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Now, if you die in the Lord, where do you go? You go to heaven. So I put this in your outline for you. In your outline for you. Heaven is a rest, not the rest. Heaven is a rest, but it is not the rest. We want to find out what is the rest of God. Because I want to walk in the rest of God because the rest of God, I can walk in down here. I got to wait for heaven till I die and go on. Now here's some verses on, on sleep for you. Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. That's not rest. It's sleep. But God gives it. If God gives sleep, can you receive it? If God gives sleep, can you reject it? Why would I ever want to do a thing like that? Well, look at it this way, folks. If God is willing to give sleep and you don't get it, what happened? Is the problem on God's end? If the problem is not on God's end, whose end is it on? will say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I want to sleep. <laughs> we may want to sleep, but if we don't do the things that God tells us to do, we're not going to. At least not walk into the, into the good kind of sleep. Proverbs 3, verse 21. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your work. He's talking about words. Wisdom. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. In order for your sleep to be sweet, you have to do the first things. Don't let his words depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way. If you walk safely in your way, your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. How many times have you heard of people, they go to sleep and they, I have so much on my mind. I was so worried about this. I kept thinking about this going on or this happening and so forth. 
fears are what get us to go on that. And I feel like I either have to pray for this or I have to be concerned about it or whatever it might be and they will, they will rob your sleep. It's not God stopping you. It's us. We got to let them go. When you go down and get some sleep, <laughs> sleep's a good thing. Some people need less of it than others. Some people have trained themselves to need less. I heard one person, I forgot who it was, but you know they, they figured out that you only need a couple hours worth of REM sleep in a night. And so they figured, I don't know how they did it, trained themselves, figured it out, whatever they did, they, uh, they were able to get to, to REM sleep instead of, you know, most people gra- gradually get there, spend the time in there, and then gradually come on back out. And actually you're in it, out of it, in it, out of it, in it for a little bit, and then you kind of come on out. He found out how to get in there, stay there, and then come out. He was able to, to be done sleeping two, three hours, I think, in a night and was fully rested. That's pretty incredible. I'd like to know what kind of training program he went through <laughs> to be able to do that. That would be a pretty neat thing. But, you see, if you, if you are constantly mindful of other things, then that's not going to help you. I know one trick that I did. I haven't had to do this in, I haven't had to do this in years. I really have no trouble falling asleep. When I go to bed, I go to sleep. The biggest thing I have with sleep is I keep waking up earlier than I intend. I was talking about the, the one of the chiropractor people that I was going to. Um, just, just I don't know how it came up. But, uh, you know, in the summertime when that sun starts coming up early, I'm up between 4 and 4.30 in the morning. And I don't get, I don't, it doesn't matter if I went to bed at midnight. It don't make any difference what time I went to bed. I was up at 4 or 4.30 and I'd be laying there, I don't want to be up right now. I want to be sleeping. <laughs> but once that sun was out, that's just no sense in it. Just, just get on up. I was telling him, I said, you know what? I said, it doesn't work out in our lifestyle, but I kind of prefer to be in bed somewhere between 9 and 10 and then just get up 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd just be much better off just doing that. But uh, that's not the lifestyle that I get to live. So that's not what's happening. But when you go to sleep, don't be thinking about these things. Put them out of your head. So this is the thing that I had picked up, and I, don't, I heard it from somebody. I know I did. It's not something I came up with on my own. But um, if I was having a hard time going to sleep, I just pray in the Spirit. I just keep praying in the Spirit. How many, how many times have you prayed in the Spirit and fallen asleep? You didn't want to. You wanted to pray in the Spirit, but you fell asleep. So here's a win-win for you. Lay in bed, pray in the Spirit. Either you fall asleep and you win. Right? Because you want to go to sleep, going to bed. Or you don't fall asleep and you're praying to spirit without falling asleep. I mean, it's a win-win. <laughs> you won't have to do that too long until uh, if it's the enemy keeping you up, he says, let that one alone. We don't want them praying no more. But don't, don't be pulling these things in your mind. The Word of God says, don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't be worrisome. If you are, you're not going to receive the sleep of God. One more verse. Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Now the fear of the Lord it, it leads to life. Be afraid of the Lord. Don't be afraid of this other stuff. Walk after the things of God. Uh, Exodus chapter 17. We're going to head on over here to this we looked at some of this before, but we're going to spend some time on more. 
Exodus 17, verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidium, or in Rephidium. But there was no water for the people to drink. Now, why are they in Rephidium? I'll give you two reasons. Only one is given in this verse. The reason it's given in this verse is because it is commanded of God. They're following the command of God. Here's the second reason. What did the children of Israel follow? The cloud and the pillar. Pillar of fire and the cloud. So if they are in Rephidium, what led them there? The cloud or the pillar? God led them to this place. So if they are in this place, this is the place God wanted them to be, right? The name of the place is Rephidium. The name means rest or stays. That's where you get this thing, resting places. God led them to a place in the wilderness called Rephidium, which means resting places. If God leads you to a place in the wilderness that either is called or he called, whichever one it is, I don't care if he called it Rephidium or if people around called it Rephidium, but if God called it Rephidium, it don't matter. That's where he led them. He led them to a place called resting places. What are you supposed to do at resting places? You should rest. If you have been led to a place called resting places, you should rest. You should get some rest. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also taking your hand, your rod, which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of, in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He brought them to a place called resting places. And instead of resting, what are they doing? Complaining, griping, murmuring. They're not resting. As long as you are griping and complaining, you are not resting. So God brought them to this place. It's a resting place. Instead of looking at it as a resting place, they looked at it for its deficiencies. It doesn't have water. It may have had all kinds of other things. We don't know what all it had. I mean, how, why do you call a place resting place? There was no water. So they never rested. They complained. Verse 7. So he called the name of the place Masa or Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So I put this in your outline for you. How many times has God brought us to a resting place of Rephidium that we turn to a, into a Meribah? <laughs> Think of the things that are going on in your life. Think of the places that you've been in contact with, the people, maybe the jobs that we have, the school we went to, the people that we've become associated with, 
the church, the whatever it might be, whatever institution we have, God has brought us to a place and it's supposed to be a place of rest and we have turned it into a Meribah, a place of complaining. A place of complaining. And as long as I complain, guess what? I get no rest. I get no rest. So what God had intended for the children of Israel to do was to get rest. Because you see, God knows what's ahead of them. And so he brought them here as a resting place. Verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with the Israel at where? We're back to Rephidium, not Meribah. They're at the resting place. What do you do at a resting place? And what met them there? A battle. They are facing a battle in God's resting place. But they turn God's resting place into Meribah, a place of complaining, a place of bickering, a place of contention. Put this in your outline for you. I made this blank so you wouldn't read it too early. That's why most of the time I put blanks in there. So instead of facing battle from a place of rest, they faced it from a place of contention and strife. Instead of facing battle from a place of rest, they faced it from a place of contention and strife. God had intended them to come to a place of refidium, to be at a resting place, knowing that battle wait, was waiting for them. And the battle was waiting right where he led them to. Not to the next place, right there. At refidium, at the resting place, war was coming after them. And God brought them to this place for rest. And that they should combat that battle from a place of rest. But they turned it into something different. And then we go on with the rest of the story. How many read your little, even, uh, little text I sent you out? Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered why Moses had to keep his arms up mm-hmm. in this battle? Mm-hmm. But never any other battle that it was he ever asked to do that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound to you like the most ridiculous thing in the world that Moses, who's not even in the battle, has to keep his arms up while the battle is going on? And if Moses lets his arms down, what happens? They would lose. Now that tells me that they, he probably put his arms down a few times and they began to lose. <laughs> he put them back up again. Now let's, let's look at this whole picture here. They just, came out of the, they just came out of Egypt. They just came across the Red Sea. And they come into this resting place and war comes on. When they were in Egypt, was Egypt training them on how to fight? No, they were afraid of them. So they began to kill off the, the males because they were getting too powerful and they thought they couldn't keep them under control. If you're having problems keeping them under control, you're not teaching them how to fight. So we have two to four million people who do not know how to engage in war. Never been taught. Been kept from all that sort of stuff. And now they're going to face battle. How prepared do you think they are? 
They've had no preparation. They haven't been able to go out on maneuvers. If they have, have weapons in their hands, they haven't been able to practice with them much. I mean, look at the, look what they've gone through so far. Going through the, the Red Sea crossing, being chased by the Egyptians. Hasn't been a whole lot of time in here to, to do maneuvers, to get themselves ready. How does God expect them to face this battle when they have never been prepared? They really have no men of war. They have nothing. And yet, here come the Amalekites. They're going to come and fight. This is our setup for the story. Verse 9, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out fight with Amalek. Choose us some men. Not all of them. Choose us some. Now Joshua, somehow he has a war. He became head of the army. Whether he, There's no one else who wanted the job. He was a fast learner. I don't know what it was, but he, he became head of the army. He became the, the fight guy. So he goes out. And he begins to pick people. Who are we going to pick for the, to go out? He says, pick some. And so he went out there and he picked some of them and, and, and got them to, uh, to come along and to help. Chooses some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, I know I've read over this story a whole mess of times. Never really thought a whole lot about it. You know, I've been wondering, why in the world are we doing this? Why are we raising our hands up? Why do we need people? He went up there. Apparently, he, had the, he, he, he must have heard from God. God must have pulled him aside and said, Moses, this is what you're going to do. You're going to send these guys, and they're going to go out into the battle. And you're going to go up on the top of the hill, and you're going to take Aaron and her with you. And you're going to keep your hands up in the air. And as long as you keep your hands up in the air, your people are going to win. And if you put them down, they're going to lose. Now think about this. Does God want them to win or does God want them to lose? You would think he'd want them to win. He knew that this battle was coming. He knew Amalek was, was coming with the, with the forces. Brought, brings them to a resting place. They already messed up the first part. They're not going to come into this battle from rest. They're going to come in this battle from complaining and bickering and murmuring and all sorts of other stuff, which is they're weakened. So he put Moses up there. And he has to put his hands up in the air. Now, you don't have to do this. You can think of it yourself. If you put your hands up in the air, we think of it every Sunday morning. We've got our hands up in the air and we're worshiping. And why don't we put our hands down? Because after a while, it gets tired, right? Yeah. So sometimes we'll put one up. And then when that one gets tired, we'll <laughs> you put the other one up. Yeah. And some people, you know, we, yeah, we just put them up a little bit. Sometimes we put them up a little more. Sometimes we're really into it, you know, we go all the way up. And <laughs> but we have, you have your hands up in the air. 
your arms get tired of holding them up in the air. And so they begin to, to come down. Now this happens right after all this stuff goes on. It's right after it. Why? You see, if you put Moses there up in the mountain and Moses is by himself, he can keep his hands up in the air until his arms are tired. And then he can't hold them up anymore because he's working. But if you can take Aaron and her and put them on either side and you can get Moses because nothing ever said Moses had to stand. He just had to have his arms up. So now he's sitting down and they put rocks on this side of him. So they're holding up that. And then the, the guys, Aaron gets one side, Her gets the other side and we're holding them up. So now Moses has his hands up in the air but is he working? Not anymore. Moses has his hands up in the air and he's at rest because this one's resting on this stone. This one's resting on this stone. I got her over here holding this arm on this stone and Aaron over here holding this arm on this stone over here. We do this all day, guys. <laughs> because we're not working anymore. We're resting. And so Moses is in his position of battle while he's at rest. Isn't that right? I mean, come on. What's the reason that God puts the story right after this, the, the, after these things with rest? Why, did, why, does he, why is this thing in there? So he... Arms up. They're winning. Arms down, they're losing. The children of Israel start to lose. They look back. Moses' hands are down. Get those hands up. Moses, we need your hands up. Moses gets them back up again. And they begin, they may even be able to see all this stuff that's going on with Aaron and her and the rocks. You got to keep his hands up. If we can do like Moses did, and if we can stay in a place of rest while we are in battle, and the battle really can't wear us out. But most of the time, folks, as Christians, we're thinking, I'm either in battle or I'm at rest. I'm either at battle or I'm at rest. Now, let's go back to what we, we saw over here. Jesus, or the Hebrews, quoting the Psalms. You will not enter into your rest. You won't enter into it. I'm going to make sure that you guys never get in to that place of rest. What's the place of rest? Well, if they're never going to enter into it and it's down here on the earth and it's not in the wilderness, the place of rest is Canaan, the promised land. And when they are in enter, enter into the promised land, what is the first thing that faces them? And the battle of Jericho. 
And they go from the Battle of Jericho to the Battle of Ai. And they go from the Battle of Ai to the Battle of the Group of Kings. And they go from that battle to another battle. And then to another battle. And then to another battle. And then when they finally hit all the big battles, then they all split up. And each tribe takes over their plot of ground. And then they go to battle to drive out all those. But what kind of rest is that? If God is leading them into a place of rest, why is it that what they found was a place of battle? You ever wonder that? We know the promised land is a place of rest, but they constantly had battles in the promised land. They were constantly fighting in the promised land. We have not learned how to battle from a place of rest. I think my thought is I'm either battling or I'm resting. Battle or I rest. Put that in your outline. I think when you when you go into battle tired, now you need help to win. But when you go in rested, you're prepared to overcome. Take a look at this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. The key to getting into the rest of God is obedience. Which people were barred from the promised land? The ones who disobeyed. Why was Moses barred from the promised land? Because he disobeyed. The key to enter into the rest of God is obedience. When Jesus says to his disciples, let us go to the other side, he gets in the boat and he does what? He goes to sleep, man. He's rested. He's rested. His disciples face the, the, the battle, but they're, battle, they're battling. I mean, they're bailing water. And the whole time they're bailing water, what are they doing with each other? Grumbling, complaining. Grumbling, complaining. Until they finally got to the point, they got so worked up, and Jesus doesn't care about us. We're going down. He's down there sleeping. So they come on down. They wake him up. We've gone over this with before. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? So all the time that Jesus is sleeping, they're murmuring, complaining, and building themselves up that Jesus doesn't care. So they're not battling from a place of rest. They're not battling from a place of refidium. They're battling from a place of Meribah. And how'd they do in that battle? They didn't win, did they? In fact, Jesus turns to them after he calmed down the storm and he says to them, Guys, where's your faith? I know where mine is. I'm not asking you where mine is. You all can see where mine is. Mine just put this storm out. Where's your faith? Why is their faith gone? Because they turned a refidium 
into a Meribah. You all know this verse. So let's read this one again. Isaiah 40, 29. Might even be on your refrigerators. <laughs> he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. He gives it to you, right? So to the weak one, he gives strength. Why would he give strength to the weak one if he's going to fight your battle. There's no reason for that, is there? Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, which means that you are battling from a place of rest, not a place of work, not a place of labor. You're battling from a place of rest. Most times, folks, we're Christians, we're battling from a place of work. We're fighting this thing with everything we got. And the words that come out of our mouth, I don't have much left. I've been fighting this thing and fighting this thing and I've been fighting this thing and I'm just not getting, I'm just not overcoming and I'm just getting weaker and I need God to bail me out. I need God to wake up from the bottom of the boat and I need Him to get up here and I need Him because He doesn't seem to care. I need Him because I've turned my place of rest into a place of Meribah. I'm supposed to be in Rephidium and I'm complaining and grumbling and murmuring. And I never get the rest that I'm supposed to get. Never get the energy. I never get the ability to overcome. Because we're fighting from the wrong place. Rest is not something that you enter and then leave. Rest is the place where you stay and fight from. You can be at rest and still be fighting the enemy. The reason that Jesus wanted to heal on the Sabbath and had no problem with it is because he could do it from a place of rest. He was renewed. His strength was renewed. So wings like eagles soaring on through. Yeah, you were just kicking his arm. This is not even a big deal. We're doing fine. But you see, when we start to struggle, we start to have trouble. We turn our refridium into a Meribah. We turn our place of rest a place of contention and my strength leaves me my strength goes I can't fight the battle the way I was fighting it before or the way I was intended to fight it the enemy can get you into fear 
we are not walking in obedience to what we know. We'll get you into fear. And that can be in all kinds of things too. If, if, if the Lord has told you in a particular area, I need you to, to do such and such, then you need to do it. If he's told you something in your finances to do and you don't do it, then the enemy brings it up. You haven't done that. God's going to get you. <laughs> or some kind of thing like that. And we become in fear. Or we become in fear. Father God, I know that you're telling me to do this, but I'm just not ready to make that financial step. And I'm in fear. I'm not in rest. I'm in fear. If God has told you to do something with your physical body, exercise more, watch what you're eating, change what you're doing here, and you don't do it, then fear, you're, you're susceptible to fear now because the enemy comes in and says, you're going to die. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to get this. This is going to happen to you. And fear comes up. Why is it going to happen? I know God's been telling me to do that and I haven't been listening. And see, fear comes in. Now what happens to my sleep? Begins to go out the window because I'm in fear. I begin to stay up at night, praying, oh God, let me sleep. Oh God, I want to sleep. Oh God, I need sleep. But I'm not sleeping because I'm fearful. I'm worried. I know, I know God told me to do that thing. No, I haven't done it yet. God told you to study something. Pray for something. Do something. Minister to someone. Whatever it is He told you to do, you're not doing it. You're not ministering from a position of strength. You're not walking from a position of strength. Fear has come in. And once fear comes in, it just saps your strength. All of it goes. Now you're dealing with weakness. But that scripture says he wants to renew your strength. Your strength. Not his. Yours. So that you can face whatever it is that you face. And you can win. He wants you to win. When we are in fear, we constantly need help. Because fear takes away my strength. And when my strength is gone, I need other people to help. So you have some people constantly going around, help me, help me. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Help me, help me. And because not everybody's coming around to help them, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm all alone. Nobody cares. Because I'm all alone. <laughs> and yet we'll sing the songs. One will put a thousand to flight. But I don't even think I can chase one away. Too weak. And nobody will help. And the enemy comes along, right? He helps us. Of course, nobody's, nobody cares about Nobody loves you. You've been there to help so many people and no one is there to help you. When we are weary, there is no soaring. We don't soar like eagles. We're weary. 
been tough. So I put this here at your end, end of your outline here. What have you found at your refidum? What have you found at your refidum? God has led you to a place of rest. Oh, you don't know where I am. This is not a place of rest. The first refidium that the, refidium that the children of Israel came to, the first one is in the wilderness. There's a reason why it's, no one lives there. There's a reason. It's wilderness. There's nothing there. That's where he led them for their first refidium. And what did they see? There's no water. There's no onions. There's no leeks. There's no meat. Go over all the things that it doesn't have. All these things are missing. We can look at wherever it is that we are. We can look at our job. We can look at our friends. We can look at our family. We can look at our house. We can look at our car. We can look at whatever situation that we are in. And we can look at it and we can see Meribah or we can see Rephidim. What God was looking for the children of Israel to do was to come to Rephidim Rephidim, and see a place of rest. And if they would have come to there and seen a place of rest and just rested, God would have brought water and they would have gone into the place of battle. Not from a standpoint of weakness, but from a place of strength. But because they won with a place of weakness, now we got Moses up there in the hill, raising his hands up and showing them you can do the things that God says to do and still be rested. Or you can do what you want to do and not be. We, we are all right now at a refidium place. You can see its deficiencies or you can see what good it is bringing you. It is completely up to you. But if you don't see the place where you are as refidium and a place of rest and get the rest that you have, Get ready for the battle that comes up. If you turn into a Meribah, then somewhere down the road you've got to come to another place that refit them until you can finally see a resting place because God called it a resting place. Why am I at my job? Why am I in the school that I'm at? Why am I in the neighborhood that I'm at? Why do I have the friends that I have? Has God not led you there? And if you're in a place that God hasn't led you, that's a different thing. But if God led you there, I can think of so many times in my life that I did this. I told one story about the Raymond on Sunday. But I had to keep coming back to that. God, you led me to this. If you led me here, then it's for my good. If you led me to this job, even though I'm not enjoying this job right now, and I did not enjoy Ken's Pizza at first. But boy, I grew. It became the best job. Oh, it became the best job. Best job I ever had until I went to work for a horseradish company. 
Then I found out, man, this is the best job I ever had. But it wasn't, didn't start off that way. Did not start off that way. Had a very rocky beginning. I did not enjoy it at the beginning. No matter where it is that God takes you for a refitum, the enemy always wants to give you a tour and turn it into a Meribah. Let me, let me show you some things over here. See that? There's no water here at all. See over here? No trees. No trees. No shade. See over here? No houses. No pools. No lounge chairs. Just nothing. God called this a what? He called it refitum. Yeah. You see any place to rest around here? All depends on what we're going to do. Here's the key to get the rest of God. And if you, can, uh, if you can get this key, whatever God tells you to do, you obey it. You obey it because God said it. At your job, what do you do? I work heartily to the Lord as, as unto the Lord. With my neighbors, with my friends, how do I, do, how do I walk? Walk in love. I believe the best. Because I do what the Lord told me to do. Too often, folks, we're not doing what the Lord told us to do. We're doing what other people expect us to do. We're doing what we want to do. But if you want to walk in the rest of God, walk in obedience. And if you will walk in obedience, every place you come to, you call it refitum. <laughs> Glory to God. Here I am. I am in a resting place. Resting, but I am resting. I'm at rest. How many have ever seen the movie? This is one of the most quoted movies. And if it wasn't that for my kids, I never would have seen this movie in my life. Anybody ever seen the movie Princess Bride? <laughs> How many remember the, the sword fight scene at the top of the cliff? And the two are getting ready to battle. And of course, he helps them up. Mm-hmm. It was very nice of you to help me up. They're very polite with each other. And they're going to battle and they're, they're, they're sword fighting. Their purpose is to kill each other. And you know, they're very much at ease, very much relaxed. And the one guy says, well, I know something that you don't know. What is it you don't know that I don't know? He says, uh, I'm not left-handed. And he switches over to his right hand and he begins to fight again. And the other guy, he's going on. Well, I, got, I know something about this battle that you don't know. And what is that? I'm not left-handed either. <laughs> and he switches over to his. So they're both fighting swords with a hand that they're not necessarily skilled with and totally confident. That is fighting from a place of rest. <laughs> I am so confident in this battle, I'm going to use my weak hand and fight you. But you see, that's how we can fight the enemy. But too often, folks, that's not how we fight the enemy. We fight the enemy Nervous, scared, in fear. We're not fighting from a place of rest. But we can. Israel, when they walked into the promised land, when they crossed over the Jordan, they entered into the rest of God. And Jericho came down. And Ai came down. And the kings were defeated. Cities were knocked out. They went from battle to battle to battle 
in the rest of God. That's how we're to fight. And when we obey God and we do what He says, we go where He says to go, we fight how He says to go, we change what He says to change, then we go from a place of rest. And if we don't, then God says, if you don't want to obey, you will not enter in to my rest. I don't want to hear that from God. I want to hear, hey, come on in to rest. Come on, let's go. Place of rest, folks, is not freedom from battles. It's a place of victory of battles. It's a lot more fun. Father, we thank you for the things you teach us in your word. So much for us to learn. Help us to learn more about the rest of God. That we operate in the rest. We work from that place of rest. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, if you want to look on some extra things, the very next chapter in Exodus is a story of Moses and Jethro. And what does Jethro tell Moses to do? You are not working from a place of rest. You will wear yourself out and the people. This is what you need to do. And he gave him how that he could work from a place of rest. Fun way to view the, the, fun, the next chapter that comes up after that one. That's uh, chapter 18.